The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome once again, Disability Law Show. Good to have you here. You want to reach out to Savan. Uh, he's got a team that's incredibly capable as well. You can talk to uh, talk to one of them toll free, of course, one eight five five. 821-5900, the website disabilityrights.ca, links there as well to our TV show. If you haven't checked that out, do so. And uh, email help at disabilityrights.ca. And another resource for free answers and questions. I know, uh, Savannah, you'll, uh, you'll refer to this throughout the morning and throughout the day, disability, mydisabilityquestions.com as well. Uh, how you doing, pal? What do you got going on? I'm doing good, John. Uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, a crazy uh, a crazy week. I mean, it's been a crazy year, really. Uh, you know, everyone knows, obviously, with with COVID and the restrictions that are still here. Again, fielding a ton of questions from across the country. I mean, people know, John. Anybody who's been listening to us, that we are disability lawyers. We're also employment lawyers, and we have lawyers, a team of lawyers uh, that, that operate throughout Ontario, BC, and Alberta, and we help people who have been denied long term disability claims. Uh, you know, our, our big thing is providing this information to people for free. Uh, you know, we don't advertise on billboards. Uh, you know, we, we don't uh, advertise on buses. Uh, we do these shows so that we can educate the public about their rights, and we answer questions all the time. So let me start off with, with a few interesting emails, questions that have been uh, sent to me by, again, people throughout the country, um, not just even in those in, 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 the, in those uh, jurisdictions that I said, Ontario, Alberta, NBC, but, you know, I was even speaking with someone yesterday from Nova Scotia, again, just to help people out there understand their rights and really to explain to people that you are not powerless when you are dealing with your insurance company. Your insurance company may want you to feel that you're powerless because these insurance companies are billion dollar corporations, but they didn't get all this money by fighting claims uh, against people who know what their rights are. So educate yourself and empower yourself. So let me start off here with this uh, individual here who contacted us from Alberta. This lady is 57 years old. She's been on, she's been on long-term disability for seven for over seven years, and she was just cut off long-term disability. So she was on disability as of the age of 50. She's 57 and just cut off. Now get this, John. She suffers from chronic pain due to cancer that she had, malignant cancer back in 2007. She has fibromyalgia and she has mental health issues. Not surprised given everything she's been through. She has doctors who are treating her, who have been treating her, who say she cannot work. And, uh, you know, I haven't spoken to this lady yet. I'm, I'm just looking at the form here on, on my website. And, and you know, to the question that we often pose to people, which is why has the insurance company denied or cut off your long-term disability claim? She wrote, I don't fully understand why. I have a letter from them that I can forward you. And of course, we've invited her to, to send me that letter. I'm not going to read it on air here, but it's really important to understand for people out there. If you've been denied long-term disability, uh, seek help. Okay. Contact me, contact a member of our team. It's going to cost you nothing to speak with us. And it really takes us only a few minutes to gauge whether or not the insurance company is correct in their position in having cut you off or denied your claim. And frankly, oftentimes when people contact us, John, it's because the insurance company is incorrect. They're wrong 
People know that they're disabled. People know, you know, when their doctors are supporting them being off work due to their disability. In this case here, you have a lady that has been suffering from cancer, chronic pain, from myalgia, mental health issues. She's been on LTD for seven plus years. And anyone that has been listening to the show for all the years that we've been on air knows that for LTD, for the first two years to get LTD, you have to show through the help of your doctors that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, the, the test becomes more difficult. Now the test is, can you do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? Right. That's where most people get cut off by their insurance companies. This lady has been on LTD for seven plus years. So for five years at least, she's met that test. What's changed? Yeah. What's changed? I'll tell you what's changed. I mean, I haven't seen the letter yet, but I'll tell you what's changed. What's most likely changed is the insurance company figured, maybe there's a new adjuster there. We want to figure out how we can just stop paying this lady. And we're going to take uh, the chance that maybe she just walks away from her rights. And that's what they do, these insurance companies. They are betting that you're going to walk away from money that is owed to you. Because most people do that, believe it or not. Most people, even people I speak with, and I explain to them, you have a case. Whether you hire me, my team, a different firm, whatever, you have a case. It is your decision if you want to proceed with that case or not. And if you do not proceed with your case, if you do not stand up for your rights, you are giving the insurance company a huge gift and that's money that is owed to you. It's owed your family uh, to your family, because the insurance company is going to pocket that money. So, so you know, this is a prime example, John. I, it's always interesting to me when people contact me and they tell me they've been cut off after all these years. And, and really, you know, you look at the explanations from some of these insurance companies, and they don't make any sense whatsoever. And so, this lady obviously got a letter here explaining the denial, and she doesn't understand it. I'm going to review it. I'll tell her if I think it's legitimate or not. I can't understand why in a case like hers, she would get cut off. She hasn't reached age 65, right? She's 57. Usually many of these policies end at age 65. We can't do anything about that. Uh, but at 57 years old, having been on LTD for seven plus years, I I'd like the insurance company to really explain on what basis they're cutting her off. Because I can see a very good case here for punitive damages against them if, if they don't really have a solid foundation for, for stopping her benefits. So what is what does that letter look like from the insurance company? I mean, if they they what excuse? How, how does how is that put into into verbiage? Like, hey, we just don't like you anymore, so we're cutting you off. What's actually <laughs> going to be written in that letter? What kind of paltry excuse are they going to use after this long? That's that's a that's you know what, John? Perfect, perfect question. And, and when I look at these letters, one of the the things that I have learned to expect from them is they throw the kitchen sink at you. Uh, they usually start by regurgitating your medical history so that and they make you think that they really know your medical history. They really know what they're talking about. So you may get a letter that's not a page long, but maybe seven pages long. And I've seen pages as, as, as uh, sorry, uh, letters as, as long as I think 12 or 13 pages even. They literally throw everything in there. Then they proceed to explain, here's what the provisions in the policy says. Uh, to be eligible for benefits, you need to be totally disabled and they go through the verbiage, blah, blah, blah. Again, they're intimidating you. They're, they're telling you, this is what the policy says. This is what your medical history says. Therefore, 
they're making the conclusion, you do not qualify because, and they'll give you then a whole bunch of different excuses. They may deny you on the basis of insufficient medical documentation. They may deny you on the basis of a pre-existing medical condition. They may deny you on the basis of surveillance that they've done that somehow shows that you are lying, which in many cases is absolute nonsense. Uh, They may give you a whole list of of, of reasons. And then at the end, there'll be the conclusion that says, on that basis, we are denying your claim, or on that basis, your benefits will end on a certain date. And then at the end of the letter, in a very formal way, almost like a government type of of structure that you'd expect to see from a a government letter, they say, but you can appeal this decision, and you have 30 days or 60 days or whatever number of days they give you. And and they tell you, you you can provide us with new documentation or more documentation or more reasons, blah, blah, blah. You can provide that to us, and then we will reassess whether or not uh, you, know, you should be denied or, or cut off benefits. And so people look at that letter, and, and they're taken aback. You know, generally, when people tell me their first reactions to these letters is, you know, their, their blood pressure shoots up, uh, they become yeah. very anxious, they, they start breathing heavily, clearly they can't sleep. You know, because listen, you have this huge insurance company that is supposed to be helping you. That's what they were getting paid premiums for. It's to be your safety net, and you have them now telling you that you're gonna get nothing, right? They're gonna pay you nothing. And you think to yourself, how can I challenge this insurance company? I gotta do what they say. Maybe I have a shot at appealing that decision. And we've, we talk about appeals all the time and how useless those processes are because you're re-asking the exact same people who ans- who told you in the first place you're gonna be cut off. They're t- you know, you're re-asking them to reconsider, which leads you nowhere often. And, and this is what I want people to understand. Just, you know, this is all fog, okay? Insurance companies don't have this much power. They want you to think they have this much power. And I'll tell you something else, John. When we start claims against insurance companies for wrongfully denying uh, these LTD claims or cutting people off unjustly, one of the things we do is we, we immediately ask the insurance company to provide us with their uh, file, the entire claims file for the individual we represent. And then we go through it with a fine tooth comb. And here's what we find. We find errors upon errors upon errors by the adjuster or adjusters managing these claims. Because these adjusters at any given point are handling a gazillion files. Right. I, I've, I've spoken to some adjusters who say that they, in some instances, have over 150 files that they are in charge of. So how can they possibly know your medical history as well as you know your medical history? They don't. And so they make mistakes. And we go through the file and we find their mistakes and we use that against them. And we hit them hard with it. And, and, and you know, we... we bring them basically to the table to negotiate in good faith. Uh, Well, sometimes they don't engage in good faith, but we force them to come to the table and negotiate a proper resolution of the case. And if they don't, well, then we continue pressing forward. The point is this, you are not helpless. It's not a hopeless situation if you get denied or cut off LTD. Do not fall into the trap of thinking that they are that much more powerful than you. They are not. They hate legal claims because they hate paying their lawyers to fight those claims. I know I used to be a lawyer a long time ago that worked for insurance companies. They hate paying lawyers' bills. I think that's the one thing that they hate more than paying out claims. They hate paying their lawyers to fight those claims. So that's why I'm telling you, uh, do not simply take those letters of denial at face value. Contact us so we can tell you if you have a case or not. Then you will be empowered to make a decision on how you want to proceed. 
Real simple as we uh, take a short break, I'll give you the info again. Uh, toll free, obviously, one 855 821 is the website. Put help at in front of that. You'll get an email address. And, of course, we always refer to mydisabilityquestions.com. Free questions and answers. You can leave your question there, search the database, see if a similar one has been asked previously. If not, uh, someone from the team will get to it and answer it in full for sure. We'll continue after a short break. This is a disability law show on Global News Radio. And we are back. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging through the break. Disability Law Show. Savannah Markin is here answering all of your questions. You want to send some over? Help at disabilityrights.ca, the email address we always use. That uh, Between that and mydisabilityquestions.com, we get to as many as we can each show. So keep them coming for sure. And after the show, if you want more of a lengthy conversation uh, on your own, no problem. one 855 Where uh, Where are we going now, pal? Let's go to a question that was posted recently on MyDisabilityQuestions.com. This one comes from John in Toronto. And here's what John writes. I'm on LTD and my doctor says that I'm not able to go back to work. My wife has been offered a job in France and I was wondering if I, if I would still be able to receive my LTD if we moved out of Canada. The answer is is this. You have to be very careful with relocations outside of the country and even outside of the province. Many LTD policies do contain geographical restrictions. So you want to take a look at your policy. You can ask your adjuster for a copy uh, and just have a look. Have a look through it. Many of these policies are... are um, searchable so you don't have to read you know 500 pages you just basically press you know press control f on your keyboard and you can search you know for any relocation provisions but you got to be careful because if you do move to another jurisdiction and the insurance company obviously knows you're going to let them know um that may compromise your claim so just be careful with that so that that, that was just a, a very simple question that was just posted john but i do get these kinds of questions about relocations so i wanted to speak about that and just make sure people are aware that they do have to be careful with with these kinds of, of moves. I'm not saying within the province, that's n- almost never an issue, uh, but I'm talking about geographical restrictions as it pertains to the country, right? Moving to another country. Well, it's interesting too, because if even if you know you get the okay from the insurance company, you had to move to France for work, you know, a year, a year or two years down the line, they want you to go see one of their medical professionals here in Toronto. <laughs> That could be a problem, yeah. right? That could be a problem, yes. That could be a problem. And, and there could be other issues as well associated with it. I mean, do you yeah. speak the language? Are you going to be able to find work there? Because not finding work it, you know, is not an issue that the insurance company has to be on the hook for, right? So right. there's a lot of issues with that. But my point is that whenever you're dealing with a geographical question, meaning can I move out of country, out of province, mm-hmm. my advice is look specifically at your policy because different policies have different provisions that deal with geography uh, and don't certainly make a move without without doing your due diligence because you do not want your your benefits to to end again my disabilityquestions.com is where that uh, where that came from okay what's next where are we going Another question from MyDisabilityQuestions.com. We we have a a few of those to go through, but they're all interesting. Uh, So this one comes from Glenn, and he writes, uh, I'm currently on LTD, and I've been uh, on it for about three years. I'm 59 years old now, uh, and my disability, my LTD will have to pay me until I reach 65. Um, I, I don't know what his illness is, but if he's saying that, presumably it's a fairly significant disability. In any event, he writes, I would like to know if there is a way to actually go to my insurer with representation like you and ask them for a settlement instead of getting monthly payments. 
So again, we've talked about this before, but I'll sort of uh, mention it again. Um, this is a question that comes up uh, not that often, but it does come up uh, where people say to me, look, Sivan, I am injured or I am, I have an illness. There's no question that I am disabled for life. Uh, even the insurance company is not questioning that I'm beyond that two year mark, uh, on my LTD policy. The insurance company has not even raised the possibility of me going back to work. However, I don't want to have to deal with them. I don't want to send them updates. I don't want to go to their assessments. Can I ask them for a lump sum settlement? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. And my answer is this. Ultimately, it's your decision. But here's what I can tell you is the problem with that approach. And you really need to be careful with it. If you're the insurance company, put yourself in their shoes, and you have a claimant that has been on LTD for a few years, and that claimant suddenly approaches you and says, hey, insurance company, can you please pay me uh, until I'm 65? And that person is only 59 years old right now. Right. If I'm the insurance company, I am thinking, well, why is this person asking why? for this lump sum now? Are, do they have a job, you know, a, a, a job lined up? Are they yeah. suddenly you know, getting treatments that's making them feel better and they just want a windfall? So, so you know, and, and I'm not saying that that's what's happening here with Glenn or anyone else. Uh, I'm just saying that you potentially could be poking the bear. By asking for the slump sum settlement from your insurer, you potentially could be inviting uh, scrutiny over your claim. You may get an adjuster that may say, hmm, let's take a closer look now at this person. Right. And that may cause you a lot of headaches. It may lead to them concluding that you're not as disabled as perhaps they previously thought that they were. And now they're going to cut you off or give you problems. So I'm not saying that you should never do it. I'm just saying that... I have yet to have a situation where I have told someone it's a good idea. You have to be extremely careful with doing that because even though, even though uh, your request may be completely uh, innocent, right? You, you don't have any job lined up. You are in fact disabled. You may put yourself in a position where the insurance company suddenly puts a magnifying glass on your claim and that's going to invite just a world of trouble for you. So my advice to Glenn is not to do it. And my advice to people out there to be very, very careful before they even contemplate that kind of a move. Is there a chance, though, that eventually the insurance company will make that move, come to him with a, yes. with a lump sum? You know, why not wait for that and be a little more patient if it happens, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that does happen. And again, when that does happen, when the insurance company does do that, you know, again, they're not doing this to your benefit. Generally, when I see people uh, contacting me uh, because their insurance company has offered them a lump sum settlement as opposed to continuing to get paid monthly, it's because the insurance company wants to essentially close out your claim for a fraction of what they would have to pay you if they had to pay you until age 65 or whatever the end date is. So, you know, I have seen cases where the insurance company has offered somebody, you know, a tenth of what they would otherwise be uh, entitled to. Uh, and, and of course, when the insurance company comes to someone and says, we'll pay you a lump sum, Again, not in the context of the legal process, right? This is without any lawyers. This is a, just a person being on LTD and then being contacted by their adjuster who proposes a lump sum settlement. Generally, it's for a fraction of whatever the rest of the policy period or time frame is worth. And what people ask me is, can I negotiate that? I'm open to the idea, but can I negotiate that? I can tell you that I have tried many years ago to negotiate this quite a few times. Insurance companies are not interested. And they're no. not interested because no, because from their standpoint, they're making a calculation, right? If they're offering you a fifth of what your policy is worth into into age sixty five, 
uh, they're not going to pay you two-fifths out of that. I don't know why, but that's just my experience. Maybe other lawyers have had different experiences. But to me, every time we tried to negotiate, we didn't get very far. So what I tell people then is we have to engage this analysis of, is it worthwhile for you to take X amount of years, future benefits now, potentially tax-free, rather than continuing to be on the policy and potentially risking being cut off down the road if the insurance company turns around and says, we don't think you're eligible anymore, right? I mean, and every case is different. We have to analyze every case separately. But yeah, insurance companies often will, not often, but they will sometimes offer you a lump sum. Uh, but again, if they're coming to you with that kind of a, of a request or an offer, you know, just do, do the math. Do the math of how much they're offering versus how much it is you could potentially get if you rejected that. And, and got the benefits until the end of the policy period, which is usually age 65. And you'll see that generally they're offering you a fraction of what you'd be owed. Again, regardless, reach out to Savan before you decide to make any uh, any decision. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And again, we uh, refer to it mydisabilityquestions.com. But you have the uh, the email as well, which is help at disabilityrights.ca. Okay, let's move on. What else? Uh, what else are we talking about? All right, let's uh, go on to an email from a gentleman in Ottawa, and here's what this person wrote, uh, again, on MyDisabilityQuestions.com. I have recently been placed on long-term disability. I was diagnosed three years ago with generalized anxiety disorder as well as OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I received my diagnosis from a psychiatrist whom I was referred to by my family doctor. During the last three years, I have managed it with the help of my doctor and my therapist. Due to a very stressful situation at my workplace, I was placed on short-term disability and now I'm on long-term disability. My insurance company has asked that I see one of their psychiatrists, which may involve a new treatment plan. I'm very uncomfortable and anxious about the request. My question is, am I required to follow their request? I feel that my doctor and my therapist have been very helpful in treating my disorder. This is exactly on point, John, uh, you know, speaking about the issues that we generally deal with. So this person has had issues at work, but his condition has become generalized, meaning he now, it's no longer just uh, situational and has to do with his particular workplace. He now cannot work, whether you put him back in his office or a different office at a different company. It's a generalized anxiety disorder. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, the insurance company wants him to see one of their psychiatrists. And we often talk about the difference between the insurance company wants to, to have you seen by one of their experts for an assessment versus for treatments. You have an obligation to go and see or undergo an assessment by uh, an, an insurer's doctor or, or you know whatever therapist they have for an assessment for them to figure out on their end if they think you know that your treatments are correct, uh, what your diagnosis is, etc. That's an assessment. It's a one-time appointment. Whether it's in person or virtual, it's a one-time appointment. In this case, in this case, apparently this person has been told that this assessment may leave may lead to a new treatment plan. And this person is very uncomfortable with it, and rightly so. And I tell people, I have yet to see an LTD policy that obligates a person to undergo a specific treatment plan with a specific doctor or clinic. What LTD provisions, sorry, LTD policies stipulate is that you have to go through and undergo uh, and continue getting reasonable treatments. And to me, reasonable treatments are what your doctors, your therapists are telling you to do. 
And if your doctors and therapists are telling you to do X, Y, and Z, and you are doing X, Y, and Z, then you fulfilled uh, that requirement under the policy. I have, like I said, yet to see a situation where there is an LTD policy that says you have to undergo a specific plan uh, by one of our doctors or clinics. I've never seen it, and I don't think it exists. And what I tell people is you have to be very careful in going and doing any treatments that are recommended by the insurance doctors or therapists if that contradicts whatever your doctors and therapists are saying. So again, in this case here, if this gentleman goes to the psychiatrist that has been arranged for by the insurance company, which he must do for an assessment, and this psychiatrist says, I think you should do this and this plan. If this person's doctors, if this person's psychiatrist agrees with that plan, well, then he probably needs to do that treatment plan, right? Because the person's own psychiatrist has given it a stamp of approval. But if the person's own psychiatrist is saying, no, I am treating this person. This is the plan of attack. This is what we're doing. This person is following my recommendations, my, my treatment uh, uh, directives. Well, then this person, this individual here has fulfilled his obligations under the policy and he does not need to follow whatever the insurance doctor is saying okay so very very important here I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm being nuanced here right I, I have situations sometimes John uh, which are a bit more complex where a person lives in a place where you know it's difficult to get treatments and the insurance company has recommended a certain treatment that is otherwise not available for this person and that treatment can very well be helping that person and that person doesn't want to undergo that treatment what do you do well again if you're not getting treatments if your options are limited and the insurance company is giving you an opportunity to to undergo some kind of a treatment that may be helpful to you you know and you have no other options well then you probably have an obligation to try that treatment because again the overarching obligation you have under your policy is to mitigate is to try and get better that's what that mitigation principle is you have to undergo reasonable rehabilitation uh, treatments or, or other types of treatments to try and get better. You don't have the luxury nor the legal right to say, I am disabled, I'm going to do nothing about it. Because if you take that position, the insurance company will be right to cut you off. But if you have doctors and you follow their recommendations and their treatment plans, and you don't follow the ones that the insurance doctor gives you because your doctors are saying, no, what we're giving you is the correct plan or plans, yeah. I think you should be fine. I don't yeah. think there's any issue with you saying, I'm going to follow my doctor's recommendations and not the insurer's uh, doctor. You have any doubts still, you know how to reach out. Uh, it's simple. Don't hesitate. Toll free. Of course, one 821 5900 is the number to get a hold of Savan and his, uh, his awesome team. The website is disabilityrights.ca. Links there to our long-running television show. If you haven't caught that, again, 30-minute dose of what we do here each week on the radio show. And email help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. On Global News Radio. And we're back. Disability Law Show. Savannah Markin, each your host, of course, answering all of your questions each week. If you don't want to uh, have a question here right now, you can uh, you can call at a later time, one 821 5900 No problem. com. That is a resource for you, a questions and answers website, which has a searchable database. That means you can look for the question you're about to ask to see if it has been asked and answered previously. If it has, read the answer. We'll probably be more than sufficient if not leave it there and the team will get back to you with an answer again mydisabilityquestions.com and then finally the email help at disabilityrights.ca okay pal take it away let's go 
Uh, here's an interesting email that came to me uh, this past week from a gentleman in Stouffville, and here's what he writes. He says, I'll be, uh, I will be beginning an application for LTD benefits in the coming week. Do I have to return to work if I do not feel that I'm ready? If my surgeon claims that I am fit for a percentage of my expected duties and my employer won't adjust said duties, what are my options? Thank you for your assistance. So this is an interesting question because, you know, John, we, we often, I often tout the fact that our dual focus at the firm, our dual specialty is employment law and disability law, okay, LTD law. And they often intersect. And this idea of an employee, a claimant uh, that is having issues with his or her LTD insurer at the same time they're having an issue with their employer, you know, they're caught between uh, a rock and a hard place, that comes up all the time. And I don't know any other firm that is as well situated with the expertise that we have in those dual areas, which again, do overlap. And if you have a lawyer that only knows employment law or a lawyer that only knows LTD law, uh, and you're having those issues, you could have a problem in the way that your claims are handled because you need a team that understands both sides. So, so let me delve into this. So this person hasn't applied for LTD. He's going to. And he's asking, do I have to return to work if I do not feel I'm ready? No, you don't. Absolutely, you do not. <clears throat> of course, it's better if your doctors confirm that they feel also that medically it's not a good idea for you at the present time to return to work. The problem happens if you don't think you're, you know, you're ready, but your doctors do think that you, you are ready. Uh, because I can tell you that your insurance company is going to prefer your doctor's opinions naturally because it means they don't have to pay you. Right, so you want to make sure that you do speak with your doctors, and, you know, and, and you do get on the same page with respect to whether or not, at the present time, you are able to go back to work. So the answer is: Do you have to return to work if you're not ready? No, you don't. I tell people: Do not return to work unless two things happen. Number one, you feel that you're ready, and number two, you get medical clearance. If you don't have one of those two, I would suggest that you do not return to work until you have those two. Okay. Otherwise, you risk your own health. You risk getting worse medically, which is just not worth it. Uh, now, in this case, he's also asking, if my surgeon claims that I'm fit for a percentage of my expected duties and my employer won't adjust the duties, what are my options? Well, this delves now into uh, employment law. And John, you know, you do the show with uh, the employment law show with Lior and other people at the firm. Uh, you know, there is this principle of, of reasonable accommodation and, and that employers have a duty up to undue hardship to accommodate disabled individuals' limitations. That may mean adjusting duties, that may mean adjusting hours, etc., etc. So if you can return to some kind of modified duties, your employer has an obligation by law to accommodate you. And if they don't, you may have a claim against your employer, which of course we deal with on a daily basis as well. Lawyers in our employment group deal with those kinds of issues, so we can help you with that. However, what happens in a case where a person thinks, okay, I may be able to return to work, I'm on LTD, my doctors think that maybe it's time for me to try to return to work, I've spoken with my adjuster, we're going to give it a go, and the person tries to go back to work and then they fail. In other words, it's unsuccessful. 
Well, most LTD policies contain a provision that's like a safety net, or it's supposed to be a safety net, called a recurrence provision. And that recurrence provision defines a time frame. Generally, it's about six months or so from when you know you try to go back to work, where if you're unable to go back to work, you should be able to go back on LTD without waiting the initial elimination period, which is, which is that period of time at the beginning of an LTD claim where you're not getting paid. And that's a major thing. The issue is, of course, is that in many instances, people are in that situations. They've tried in good faith to go back to work with the support of their doctors, the support of their employers, and they haven't been successful. They're just not there yet. They want to go back on LTD. They contact their adjuster and their adjuster says, no, we do not believe right. that you are disabled from working. We think you haven't given it a, a you know a, a, a go, like a, a, a proper go you need to go back to work, we're not going to pay you. Well, we help those kinds of individuals as well all the time, and we resolve those kinds of claims. And I think insurance companies generally make uh, a big mistake in denying these kinds of claimants because, you know, in a case where a person tries to go back to work, it's very difficult to argue that that person is malingering or trying to abuse the system or trying to game the system because the person has tried to go back to work. You know, I'm not saying it never happens. I'm just saying it's very rare. Uh, it, it really does provide you know, a, a lot of credibility, I think, to the individual for trying to go back to work. So if you're in that situation, again, we'd be able to help you. But to go back to this person's uh, original question, if he's not ready to go back to work, if anybody out there is disabled and not ready to go back to work, do not go back to work until you're ready. You do not want to make your medical or health situation worse. And if you are ready to go back to work on modified duties, your employer does have an obligation to accommodate you. And if they don't, we can help. Again, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the way you uh, get a hold of us today. Got a couple minutes. Let's uh, let's dive into something else before we break. Uh, where do you want to go now, pal? Well, uh, I got we got another form here from an individual, in this case, from BC. This is a 55-year-old person suffering from mental health issues, specifically very severe depression, anxiety, and trauma. I don't have any more information here. Uh, this person does have doctors that have confirmed that that uh, he, he, you know, he's unable to work. And uh, uh, he, in, in answer to the question that we have on our form, which is why the insurance company denied or cut off your LTD, he wrote, I've been informed that the support services I've received are sufficient for me to return to, to my work uh, or, or to my own work of some sort, whatever that means. So basically, the insurance company in that case have said, uh, you've received enough medical attention and treatments uh, for you to go back to work. Which, if you think about it, is completely ludicrous for the insurance company to say. This is up to the doctors to say. This is up to the individual to decide for themselves if they are ready to go back to work in conjunction with the advice of their uh, primary physicians, right? Whoever is the family doctor or if there is a specialist involved, uh, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, whatever. But I see this time and time again for an insurance company to take this stupid position where you've taken all these treatments, you've done all this physio, you've done all these psycho treatments. Um, we think that that's enough. You should be able to go back to work. No, every person is different. People react to life events, to injuries differently. John, you may have a back pain that may debilitate you. That same type of back pain on injury may not debilitate me. Right? People react yeah. differently to different things in life. You have tragedies, you have things, people go through divorces, coronavirus, all that. People react differently, which means treatments 
will have different effects on different people. So for the insurance company to take a one-size-fits-all approach and cut someone else as a result of that, that is absolute nonsense. And again, we help with those kinds of cases. Another short break before we get into our last uh, few minutes here. you still got some time to send over an email, help at disability rights.ca the website disabilityrights.ca to catch our tv show and we refer to it all the time and you can use it uh, whenever you like and that is my disabilityquestions.com this is the disability law show we'll continue right here global news radio and welcome back disability law show still a few minutes to go here so we'll get uh, we'll get going till free one 821 5900 use that uh, number anytime to get a hold of savan or a member of his team no problem one 821 5900 and the email address help at disabilityrights.ca okay pal take it away we still got a bit of time here all right, so here's an interesting one as well, and it dovetails nicely uh, from the last segment. Uh, so we had a person contacting us because the insurance company, his insurance company, deemed him totally disabled uh, until uh, October 9th of 2021, so in October of this year, uh, which at that time, apparently they said that they will reevaluate his status. Over the past week or two, they've been calling him persistently. Uh, they've been asking him to do a transferable skills analysis test. He doesn't want to do it because he doesn't feel comfortable going back to work in any capacity right now because he's worried about making his injury worse. Now, he did go back to work after being on LTD in the past and he re-injured himself within 10 months. The insurance company, his insurance company, said that if he does not complete the test, they will cut him off, even though they said that he fits the criteria for total disability until October 9th of this year. What does he do in this case? So this is uh, interesting, right? Because this person clearly tried to go back to work uh, and was not successful in it. And so, you know, re-injured himself. So now he's very, very concerned about going through this assessment. Now, what is a transferable skills analysis test? Well, it's, it's, it's a test or it's an assessment to figure out if you can do something else, if you have certain skills that will transfer into a different kind of job. And we typically see insurance companies want claimants to undergo this assessment in order to assess whether or not the person should get LTD beyond the two-year mark. Again, remember, going back to, to first principles, to be on LTD or to get LTD for the first two years, you have to show that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, the test is any occupation for which you are suited for. That's important. For which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So when they have you undergo a transferable skills assessment or analysis, they're trying to figure out if you can do another job, another occupation for which you're suited for. And this individual here is concerned. He's seeing the writing on the wall. He understands that the reason they want him to go through this assessment is because after this assessment, the insurance company is probably going to come back at him saying, we've identified 10 other jobs yep. you can do right uh, and we think that you should do those jobs as opposed to be on LTD beyond the two-year mark so he's seeing the writing on the wall which is which is good that he sees that what's not good is that he's now resisting undergoing this assessment because here's the thing if he does not undergo an assessment and his LTD policy like the majority of LTD policies out there requires someone to undergo an assessment if the insurance company asks you to not treatment assessment Yep. Well, then the insurance company can cite him for non-compliance under the policy and on that technicality cut him off. So my advice would be go through that assessment, be prepared 
for the fact that they're going to come back at you and say that you can do all these other jobs and speak with your doctors and speak with your doctors about the fact that when they come back with that report, you're going to take that report to your doctors and have your doctors comment on those. And if your doctors agree with you that you cannot work in any occupation for which you're suited for because of your injury at this point in time, well, then get your doctors to actually say that in writing, and then you give that to your adjuster. And guess what? Your adjuster should not cut off your benefits at that point. The anecdote, the anecdote to these kinds of assessments are your doctors. You know, I often tell people, John, and, and you know, I'm sorry to use the analogy, but I think it's apt, is that uh, you know the only way to vaccinate yourself against uh, insurance companies' wrongdoing in the LTD context is to make sure your doctors or whoever's treating you is on board and on the same page as you are. They need to be prepared, you know, to provide their counter opinions to what the insurance companies, doctors and assessors are going to come back with. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can say that you're not ready, but if your doctors don't agree with you, you're going to have a problem. You're simply going to have a problem because the insurance company is going to latch on to whatever your doctors are saying. So you need to have your doctors on board. And if you don't find another doctor, Sometimes uh, family doctors, incidentally, don't want to get involved, and that's fine. And what I tell people is, look, depending on what your situation is, you may need a referral to a specialist. So, for example, let's say you have a chronic pain condition. Your family doctor is simply not willing to say that you cannot work. They just don't want to get involved in the case. They just don't want to write anything. Well, get a referral from your family doctor to a chronic pain specialist. Okay, it may be a neurologist, it may be a physiatrist, it may be just a chronic pain specialist or people who that's what they do. They're specialists in this area. And those individuals will understand what you're going through. Not only will they be able to treat you better, most likely, because they're within your specialty, but they may very well provide that report that you need to help you with your insurance company. Again, I'm not saying that people should do this if they're not legitimately injured or disabled. I'm saying these are the alternatives in the event that you don't have someone in your corner uh, on the medical side to combat these assessments by these insurer uh, assessors. Again, remember, these assessors by insurance companies or assessors that are being uh, uh, utilized by insurance companies, they're being utilized and hired by insurance companies because insurance companies have learned what to expect from these assessors. They right, know that cool. if they send you to that assessment, most likely they'll get a report that's good for them. Not always, but often. So you want to make sure that you, again, vaccinate yourself against uh, uh, those kinds of, of, of assessments uh, and conclusions from those assessments by having your doctors on board. And again, if it's the battle of the doctors, we will help you. We'll be able to help you. We deal with these cases all the time. It's not difficult to resolve these kinds of cases. I keep saying this. It's not. These insurance companies will pay you what you're owed, but you've got to stand up for your rights. And this is what we are here to help you with. Simply reach out, man. Don't uh, don't hesitate for yourself, for a, a colleague or a family member to reach out to Savannah and his team. At least have a conversation, see where you stand. It's it's really painless. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That would be the toll free number. Email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. Disabilityrights.ca on its own is the website that will, among other things, lead you to our long running television program. And then finally, we used it throughout the morning today, and that is MyDisabilityQuestions.com, a free resource for answers and questions all about disability when it pertains to you and your situation. And we'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.